Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Hard to believe I'm about to say this. Welcome to episode 200 of the Sports Yak. It is hard to believe. It's hard to believe that the listeners have put up with us for 200 episodes. But I can think of no better person to dedicate this show to than Oscar Gamble. Oscar oh my gosh. Gamble, the greatest Afro in baseball history. Let me see if I can find another one for you, Corey, to gaze upon. The can gaze, I tell you something kind of crazy? To gaze upon the loveliness that is. I saw that photo just last night as I was looking for baseball logos. That's what I typed into Pinterest. That picture came up. My gosh, we've got to put that on our Instagram. Yes, we do. And I I think maybe instead of, well, you have to tweet out the picture of the yak because it comes with the episode <laughs> of the podcast. But I think separate from that, on Maybe the, in the Sports Jack page, and the Sports Jack <laughs> page, I think there has to be a picture of Oscar Gamble in his afro. He hit 200 home runs in his big league career. That's big league hair, my that friend. That is a big league fro. That is Oscar Gamble. <laughs> Just passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately. Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, the crowd's going wild. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! Howdy, Chuck and Corey. This is Derek from Big and Tall Outlet in Elkhart. As your first sponsor, obviously, we've believed in you guys since the beginning, and we are happy to congratulate you both on your 200th episode. Keep up the great work, and we look forward to hundreds more. Oogalooga. Real quickly, do you remember September 18th, 2018? Not really. <laughs> do you remember I, the conversation? Do you remember the conversation of me pitching you this idea? Yeah, kind of. You know sports. I don't know sports. Let's hit record. I think that was it. Pretty much. And that's been the mantra of the show for 200 episodes. At some point, perhaps you'll become educated enough in sports where that no longer is our mantra. But uh, this is a remedial project that we're working on here. You can actually go back into the archives and hear that first. You can hear all of them. We've archived every episode. I know. So there's that. So if you're late to the party, if you just jumped on, say... Episode 192, the Tom Rinaldi episode. Mm-hmm. And you just jumped onto the bandwagon then. That's okay. Go back in the archives. Find yourself some. And then you can hear probably erroneous predictions then. Right? <laughs> like, were they right about this? Did this really happen? That would actually be 
a little fun to do to go back and oh what why did he say that that didn't come out anywhere close to that okay maybe we'll do a deep dive or oh my goodness he's a prophet in his own land they're like the simpsons they knew things before they actually happened yeah that's a high bar let's start with college basketball today how about purdue last night 19 three-pointers they go into carver hawkeye arena and carve up the hawkeyes ranked number 18 in the country 77 68 i keep going back and forth on this purdue team which i mean i realize you can do that on just about any team in the big 10 they're sitting at 16 and 14 but remember last episode we talked about net ranking or maybe even last week at some point the quads yeah we have quads and net rankings and and you remember the net ranking you want to be in the top 50 to be considered for the ncaa tournament yes well here sits purdue they've got 14 losses on the year they're only two games above 500 but their net ranking because of some of the teams they've beaten is 38 i mean you can and Right now, they're ahead of Indiana in the Big Ten standings. So it's more than just wins and losses. It's who you are winning. It's who you're beating and who you lose to. Okay. We'll talk about that a little bit later with the Irish. But And, and Notre Dame is, is a decent comparison, really, because you look at Purdue. They've got a lot of wins over ranked teams. And last night was a win over a ranked team on the road. I mean, that pays huge dividends. You could make a legitimate case for them being an NCAA tournament team. Notre Dame, conversely, has a better record. But their non-conference schedule is awful. Hmm. And they haven't beaten a ranked team in three years. So... This sounds a lot like our football conversations sometimes if a team runs the table, but then you look back and go, yeah, but look at who they play. Exactly. You know, you'd look forward to whoever Notre Dame's got on their schedule and you go, well, there's that one game. And this is the beauty of college sports as opposed to professional sports. Professional sports, it doesn't matter who you beat, who you lost to. All that matters is your record. Mm -hmm. If your record's good enough, you're getting in. Now, sometimes it comes down to tiebreakers and things like that. But it's not about, oh, did they have a quality opponent or anything like that. You're assuming a professional team is a quality opponent, no matter who it is. With college sports, it's very, very different. Mm. A lot of it's very subjective. And so it will be interesting to see Purdue closes at home against a good Rutgers team on Saturday. If Purdue wins that game, they go into the Big Ten tournament 17 and 14. Let's say they win a couple of games in the Big Ten tournament, which is very possible. 19 and 15, considering their resume, they might get into the NCAA tournament. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, the Big Ten continues to be a hot mess up at the top. <laughs> Maryland had a two game lead two games ago. They're now tied with Michigan State for first in the Big Ten because the Terrapins lost their second straight last night to Rutgers by a count of 78-67. Meanwhile, Michigan State goes on the road, gets one of those rare Big Ten road wins. They beat a ranked team, number 20 Penn State. And so here we are in March, 
and Tom Izzo's team looks good again. Boy, what a shock. And so if you pick up the standings today, I was going to say if you pick up the paper today, but the standings come out too late to be in the paper. Uh, But if you pick up the standings today, you would see that Michigan State and Maryland are tied for first and a half game back because they likely play tonight, are Illinois and Wisconsin. Man, what a jumble atop the Big Ten this year. And you talk about a conference that has cannibalized itself this year. They have just devoured each other. And we'll see how that all plays out on Selection Sunday in a couple of weeks. A team that has some work to do, in my opinion, to get into the NCAA tournament is Indiana. Hoosiers are coming off two losses in a row. Now they come home. They've got Minnesota at Assembly Hall tonight. Minnesota's not a cupcake. Richard Patino, the son of Rick, has done a nice job with this team. And Indiana's going to have to play well tonight to get the sweep of the Gophers for the season and come away with a win a win that they really need to bolster their hopes because while Purdue's got a net ranking of 38, Indiana's right around the 50 mark. Hmm. And so they're they're very much in the lexicon of the bubble. Uh, The last bracketology I saw had them drop down to a 10 seed. Well, if you get down to about 11, then you're really in trouble. Because usually those 12 through 16 seeds are teams that get automatic conference bids from conferences that nobody cares about during the regular season. So the Hoosiers have a big one tonight. You can hear it on 103.1 FM with tip-off at 7. Another team with a big one tonight is the University of Notre Dame. Mike Bray's squad has lost 20 consecutive games to ranked teams. And here comes Florida State, top 15 program, into Purcell Pavilion tonight. And Notre Dame is coming off a gut-wrenching loss to Wake Forest last Saturday. Gut-wrenching from the standpoint of, I don't know that even with a win tonight and a run in the ACC tournament, that they can do enough to get themselves into the NCAA tournament because they've lost to too many bad teams. Wake Forest is second from the bottom in the Atlantic Coast Conference. I don't care if you're playing them at home, on the road, and I know Duke lost to them too. Doesn't matter. You've got to beat those teams. you got to beat them no matter where you're playing. And Notre Dame hasn't done it. And Notre Dame hasn't beaten a ranked team. And a telling comment from our friend Tom Noy, a telling quote, you know, he, he's asking the players why they can't beat ranked teams. And the players sound like your 13-year-old. I don't know. I don't know. And so then, frustrating. And then he asked Mike Bray. And at first, Mike Bray gave, I don't know. And then Mike Bray said, Maybe they're just better than us right now. Well, kids, if you want your team in the NCAA tournament, that's not a passable answer. You can't say that ranked teams are better. And and to Tom's credit, 
He goes on to say, when Notre Dame was good, 2015 to 2017, they played 34 ranked teams in those three years, and they went almost 500 against ranked teams. So they were standing toe-to-toe with the big boys of college basketball. Well, they're not standing toe-to-toe with them right now. Sometimes they compete. They lost by one to Florida State earlier in the year. It feels like such a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Well, it does. Ugh. I mean, this program, if they don't make the NCAA tournament this year, that's three straight years. And that's why a lot of people wonder, well, will Mike Bray be back? Again, we'll revisit a conversation we had about two weeks ago. If he doesn't come back, it's not because Jack Swarbrick said he can't come back. It's because Mike Bray just decided that's enough. We'll we'll see. Tonight's a big game. Unfortunately, it's a 9 o'clock tip-off. Oh, boy. So I hope that doesn't hold down the crowd because this team needs to feel a home court advantage. And to be honest, Purcell Pavilion has not given them much of one. Not that the fans... I'm not blaming the fans. Right. They're just... There hasn't been a lot of energy or buzz around this program. And we'll see if they can create some tonight. Of course, how do you create some? Beat somebody good! That would help. The Irish faithful show up to Notre Dame women's basketball. I I watched that video of uh, Coach McGraw addressing the crowd, and I'm hopeful about next season, but there's still some to play here. It's a 3.30 tip-off this afternoon. They begin the ACC tournament run at the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Carolina. And Notre Dame's quest is very, very simple. They have to win five games in five days to make the NCAA tournament. Now, if you pick up your Tribune today, headline says, can Notre Dame go five for five? Why not? Let me tell you. (laughs) They'll beat Pitt today. 3.30 tip-off on Pulse FM. Pitt's the dregs of the conference. I mean, I saw Notre Dame and Pitt play here at Purcell Pavilion. Pitt shot something like 20%. I'm not saying they'll shoot that poorly again today, but they're not good. Notre Dame will win this game today. Notre Dame could very well win tomorrow when they play Georgia Tech. That would be a 6 o'clock tip-off on Pulse FM. Georgia Tech is the seventh seed in the conference, but the Irish should go into that game with some confidence that they can play with Tech. I believe they beat Tech during the regular season. Then you get into Friday. Friday, they would have a 6 o'clock tip-off on Pulse FM, and they would play the second seed, North Carolina State, who has won 24 games this year and is a really good basketball team and blew the doors off the Irish at Purcell Pavilion this year. And to think that they would beat them and then beat two more really good teams? That's I don't I don't see that happening. First of all, remember the Irish have no depth whatsoever. They go about seven deep on this team. And after a while, I don't care if you're a college athlete or not, you play five games in five days against top flight competition, the legs are gonna get rubbery. And they could get rubbery by day three. So I this don't is think, also, Chuck, wouldn't this be also the first time they haven't had a bye in a long time? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, They've always been one of the top four teams. They've had, 
not just a buy, a double buy where you don't even have to start playing until Friday. Yeah. So, like, if they played NC State on Friday, let's say they win two games and you get to feeling good, but you're playing a team that haven't played all week. Yeah. They're fresh, and you're playing your third game. Yeah, so you saying they're playing today, which is a Wednesday. I was like, wow, I haven't heard that in a long time. Yeah. As far as the tournament goes. Because it hasn't happened since they've been in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And, in fact, uh, Muffet hasn't taken a team with a losing record to a conference tournament um, since 1992. Now, they were playing in a far different conference then. And they actually won the conference tournament and made the NCAAs with a losing record. But... I don't see that happening this week. Let's segue into the NAIA. Well, I'll tell you what. We could have four teams from this area in the NAIA National Tournament this year. Congratulations to IUSB. My goodness, what an incredible comeback they made in their game Monday night against Olivet Nazarene. They are down by nine with 48 seconds left. Down nine. 48 seconds left, and they come back to force overtime and win the Chicagoland Conference title. First time they've ever done it. What a great season at IUSB for both the men and the women. I think the women are going to the NAI tournament this year, too. So the Titans have something to be proud about. Bethel gave it a good run in the Crossroads League. They were only down by two at halftime last night. But Kyle Mangus, the Warsaw product, and Indiana Wesleyan put on a blitzkrieg in the second half, and they wind up winning going away. I think it was 109-77. But I think Steve Draben's team can find its way into the NAIA field. Holy Cross is definitely going. They're going to go for the first time in school history. Mike McBride today named Chicagoland Conference Coach of the Year. So congratulations to the Saints. And then you've got Grace College, had a tremendous year, ranked number 13 in the polls, I believe. Maybe it was even number 9. No, that was Holy Cross. Uh, Ranked number 13 in the polls, and Grace will find its place in the NAI tournament. So, I mean, four teams right around here, that's, that's pretty darn good. I love this time of the year. So much basketball. It is. Such drama. And then we get then we get to the end of March and it drops off like a cliff. But let's segue into Indiana High School basketball. Hoosier Hysteria started last night, although it would have been tough to tell at the opening of the Jimtown sectional where there were probably fewer than two hundred fans in the stands for the opening tip between Marion and Washington. Marion vaulted to number four in the three A poll yesterday. And they were able to hold off Washington 55-47. Jerry Bracey had 18, but the freshman, Deglin Sullivan, with 17 points last night in his first sectional game. That was very impressive. And so Marion moves on to face St. Joe on Friday night in Class 3A. The other semifinal will have Jimtown versus Clay. Boy, what a game Jimtown and John Glenn played last night. Jimmy's are up by three, 43-40. Time ticking down. Ball winds up in the hands of John Glenn freshman Bryson Hanna. He's the son of the head coach. Unleashes the top side triple, and it gets nothing but the bottom of that. And we go to overtime, 43-43. Now it's Glenn with a one-point lead in the extra session. And the Jimmies, Preston Phillips, put up a 
puts up a shot. It misses, but he gets his own rebound, puts it up and in. And the Jimmies take a one-point lead. John Glenn moving the ball around, trying to get a last-second shot off. Phillips gets the steal and the game-sealing slam. 23 points for Phillips, and Jimtown moves on to face Clay on Friday night. And I'll tell you what, the Jimtown crowd was into it. This is probably, I don't know, the fifth or sixth game for Jimtown this year that has come down to the final possession. And they seem to win all of them. So Matt Schaus doing a great job over there with the Jimmies. Let's go into 4A. Culver Academy uh, last night had no problem dismantling Riley, winning 62-41. Both Trey Galloway and Deontay Craig each had 20 points. And so Mark Galloway's Eagles, who are the favorite in the Laporte sectional, move on to a semifinal date with Plymouth. Two more games at Laporte tonight where you've got Adams against Mishawaka. Eagles will be the heavy favorite in that one. That's followed by Michigan City and Laporte. Second oldest rivalry in Indiana State Tournament history between the Wolves and the Slicers. And you will find that uh, Michigan City won in the regular season by about three, but I think Laporte's as healthy as they've been in a long time. That should be a fun one tonight over at the Laporte High School gym. 4A last night at Northside Gym, Northridge, no problem with Concord. They win it 60-40. to So the Raiders move on to a Friday night date with Elkhart Memorial, a game we'll have for you on TV 46 this Friday. Tonight at Elkhart, a couple of interesting games. Penn and Elkhart Central, both teams below 500. Elkhart Central beat the Kingsmen in the regular season on Penn's floor. I just, my gut tells me Al Rhodes is not going to lose to the Blue Blazers twice in one year, but I could be wrong. Then the second game is Goshen and Warsaw, and this game has had a lot of intrigue put over it by what happened Monday afternoon when Doug Ogle, the head coach of Warsaw, announced that he is retiring at the end of the season after 18 years. So how much do the Tigers come out and play for their coach, who's been very successful at Warsaw, um, has gone to a couple of regionals, went to a state finals in 2010. We'll see what the Tiger mindset is when they come out of the locker room tonight to take on a Goshen team that's had a pretty decent year under Michael Wolford. Also last night in 3A, New Prairie, Lakeland, they posted wins. New Prairie uh, cruising past Wheeler. Lakeland, very impressive outing from Braden Bontrager. He had a double-double. They beat Tippecanoe Valley. Lakeland now faces Wawasee Friday night over the Northwood sectional. The other game there will be Northwood and West Noble. We'll talk about the Friday games on Friday's Yak. Charlie Yoder, the Westview star, 35 points, 20 rebounds, 7 assists last night. On fire. How you doing? (laughs) Uh, Westview crushing Prairie Heights 70-54. They will face Churubusco on Friday night. The action tonight over at Westview, Bremen and Fairfield. Pretty even matchup. I would favor Randy Deshaun's Falcons in this one. I, I think they've got what it takes to get the W there. Uh, and then Central Noble should cruise in the second game tonight. Also a big performance last night in 2A from Winamax, Will Larkin. He scored 31. The Warriors knock off Lewis Cass, 88-74. And they'll face Rochester on Friday night. And then uh, the 1A games down at Triton, easy wins for both Triton and Argus as expected. Take a breath. Michigan. <laughs> Michigan, your Lakeshore Lancers are conference champs. Yeah. They win the smack 
West Division with a 53-27 trouncing of Portage Central. Sean Schrader's team playing really good defense this year. They've been superb defensively. And then uh, my man, Scooby, Carlos Johnson. Benton Harbor. 33 points last night on senior night. They beat a very good Brandywine team, and they beat them soundly 85-61, to which just shows what a another level that Tiger program is in. And they're really tough to beat at Farnham Gym. My Uncle Joe, who has passed away years ago, mm-hmm. was one of the greatest trash talkers ever. He went to Benton Harbor. His brother, my uncle, Riley, went to Benton Harbor. My mother went to Benton Harbor. When I was born, we moved to Lakeshore. Yes. He did not let us let that slide. So any family outing, whenever I hear Benton Harbor, Chuck, I literally I hear them tigers are coming to get you. And he was a big man, <laughs> like 435, 440. Oh, wow. Big man. And he would always, that intimidate. And I was a little kid. Them Lakeshore Lance is going to get eaten up by them tigers. Oh, I can hear it every time. But he would be so excited to hear that they're number one, and they got a boy named Scooby. Carlos Johnson headed to Butler. They could make a run in Division Two this year in the tournament. There's no question about that. Other Michigan winners last night, Berrien Springs, Buchanan, Cassopolis. Rangers having a really good year in the Southwest 10 Conference. Coloma, Marcellus, and White Pigeon. <laughs> Spring football? Can Starts we talk tomorrow. about this? Starts tomorrow. Did I read or hear about uh, two new coaches, uh, two new uh, yeah, this employees? Yeah, this was kind of the worst-kept secret, but they've got a new tight ends <laughs> coach and a new cornerbacks uh, coach who they just introduced officially because Notre Dame's got to go through all of its paperwork and everything. Yeah. But everybody knew these guys were coming in. And the cornerbacks coach, Mike Mickens, a former Cincinnati cornerback who played for Brian Kelly at the University of Cincinnati and was coaching there, comes to Notre Dame, and he's got he's got work to do right away. I think this is one of the biggest areas of concern for this team as they go into the spring and next fall because they lost their two starters at cornerback. They're both gone, and so now... Sean Crawford is still around, but he's always injured, it seems. Tariq Bracey comes back with a little bit of experience, but he's only got two career starts. And then everybody else at that position, Corey, is a freshman in eligibility. It might be a redshirt freshman or an actual freshman, but whatever the case, they're going to be really young and inexperienced at the cornerback slot. So people who are saying... Oh, Notre Dame could make a playoff run next year. Well, yeah, they could, but you're going to have to have some cornerbacks play well above their level because I hate to remind people, I hate to put rain on the party or anything like that. You know that's so unlike me. Uh, But Uncle Chuck likes real talk, and Trevor Lawrence and Clemson come to town next year. And I don't think the third-year starter at Clemson is going to sit there and say, oh, Notre Dame has an inexperience at corner. Let's not throw at them. How much gets done in spring football? The importance of spring football is the reps for young players, and especially these young cornerbacks going against a proven veteran corner quarterback in Ian Book. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think that's going to be very important for these guys. So you hear the word again, again, yeah, again. Th- this is this is Herb Brooks and Miracle. You you've got to get reps, okay. And so that's the importance of spring football. It's also going to be important at a couple of other positions. I think wide receiver is a very important position for this team. They've got to find a way to fill the the void left by Chase Claypool, uh, Kevin Austin Jr. Everybody talks well about him. He's got a lot of promise, but we haven't really seen that much of him. He had an academic suspension last year. So how much does he step up? How much um, does Joe Watkins step up? And then, of course, you've got freshmen, some of the early arriving freshmen who will have their first spring practice and start to get their legs under them as well. Running back. Okay, you've got Jafar Armstrong coming back. He looks like he'll be your number one because who else do you have? Chris Tyree, the fabulous freshman, doesn't get here until the summer. So you're not going to see him. So it's a chance for some other running backs to try to move their way up the depth chart and at least put themselves in contention for some playing time next year. The question on the running game, though, is not going to really be running behind your offensive line because three of your starters are recovering from injury, and so their time during the spring is going to be severely limited. So if you're a running back trying to to prove yourself a little bit, you're going to be doing it with the maybe the number two offensive line in front of you a lot, and that's going to be hard to do against the defensive line. I think the other big question for the defense will be, at one of the linebacker spots. You know, Notre Dame kind of figured it out a little bit last year, but they kind of didn't. And so guys like Jack Lamb are going to be really competing hard uh, to try to get Shane Simon, another guy, uh, to try to get some playing time at linebacker this year. Okay. So there are some things to watch. Plus... The development of Tom Reese or Tommy Reese as offensive coordinator. How is his style different from Chip Long's? What do they try to establish as an identity? And the mix of the coaching staff as a whole with new people coming in, how will that all go together? Those are the things to watch in the Notre Dame spring camp when they start practicing tomorrow. Yelich. Christian Yelich, former MVP of the National League, is close to signing an extension with the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, you had a little fun fact that today is uh, the anniversary of Babe Ruth. 1927, he became the highest-paid player. It was a three-year deal, 70000 a year. And that was the highest-paid player in 1927. Now, here we are 93 years later, and uh, every night, Major League Baseball players should fall on their knees and thank God for free agency. Because free agency, in fact, I was watching a documentary on MLB Network about the, the Oakland A's of the 1970s. And they were called the Swingin' A's, uh, and many times they swung at each other. They uh, they were a very good team, very talented team, but very mercurial. Hmm. The one thing that united the Oakland A's is they all hated the owner, Charlie Finley. 
hated him with a passion. And so there was a point in 1974 where Charlie Finley, who made his money through insurance, for some reason or somehow let an insurance policy on Jim Catfish Hunter lapse. And because that happened, it basically voided the contract on Catfish Hunter and allowed him to be a free agent. And he could go to wherever he wanted to, whoever would spend the most. And the New York Yankees gave Catfish Hunter a contract worth $3 million a year, which far and away was the highest salary to any player in Major League Baseball. And Catfish Hunter became a big part of the Yankee pitching staff in 76 and 77 when they won the World Series. So that began the process of escalating salaries. We come to today and Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich is about to sign a seven-year contract extension worth $195 million. How much is that a year? What's the math? Let me carry about $28 million a year. <laughs> about $28 million a year Woo! to keep him as a brewer for now he's already got he's got two years left on his current contract. Mm-hmm. So basically it's going to come down to about nine years, 215 million. That's that's a lot of brats. That's a lot of sausage up there in Milwaukee. Is it, would it be safe to say he's one of Milwaukee's best? I would say so, yes. Okay. So my gosh, that's a lot of money. It is. It is. I. It just boggles the mind, and the, and that's now in today's game. Yeah, you know that's that seems to be the going rate for people. But my goodness, and of course, for every Christian Yelich, there's some guy down at the bottom, you know, trying to get there. Mm-hmm. So, but I bring up Yelich because, okay, next year. Chris Bryant, well, he'll become a free agent in at the end of 2021. You know, let's see how he does here under David Ross, but that'll take off. Oh, by the way, speaking about the Cubs, did you catch any of the spring training game the other day on ESPN where they had both Rizzo and Bryant mic'd up? I saw it, but I didn't listen to it. Oh, you need to go back and look at the cuts whether they're on the 46 Sports Twitter page, the ones that I picked out, there's some others through MLB or ESPN. I understand that we probably can't do this during regular season games, Mm -hmm. but the players had earpieces with the booth. So they could, the announcers are talking to the players while they're in the batter's box, while they're taking at-bats. It's just awesome stuff. They're talking to them while they're in the field. You know why is your why is your cap different than his? And I feel like I saw that during the All Star game. You did, you did. Would would that have been the first time? Um, one of the first times. What a fascinating idea! But but you liked what you heard. Oh, I loved. It. Well, for instance, Rizzo took his shots at the Astros. Jessica Mendoza is talking to him about. Okay, well, what pitcher are you looking for here? And he goes, I'm trying to do the math on this. He goes, I'm pretty sure he's only thrown me one fastball so far. 
So he goes, I think he's coming with a fastball. He goes, if anybody knows, why don't you just bang that out to me? <laughs> and then and then he gets a ch- chest-high fastball and rips it into right center field, and the and the people in the booth are like, how about, as he's running, he, and he's talking about, see what I did there? <laughs> it's just, it's terrific stuff. Many people pointed out, boy, does this make this much more interesting to watch. Mm. Now, I don't see any way you're able to do it during the regular season. Right. It just, there's too much on the line with every game. You're paying too much attention to this, and you're not paying attention to the game right. or something. Right. Yeah. There's there's going to be something that happens or some criticism leveled. Yeah. But it sure made the spring training game fascinating to watch. I'll go back and watch that. Good tip. Let's end on this. You tweeted this out yesterday. I saw this on a couple spots. My wife shared it. Elkhart's new logo. Yes. Your thoughts. You know, one person brought up a point that I had not considered. But in once he once he brought it up, it's like, I can't take my eyes off of that now. And his criticism was, okay, well, here's a an educational program in the Elkhart Community Schools. And it's Elkhart's in all caps, and LIONS is in all caps, except for the N, which is small. And why would why would you change font that way? And why would you have, you know, some letters capitalized and some not if a student put that out there like that is there a story not that i know of. i did not hear about this or i actually didn't notice it but if you call up the logo uh royal blue and gold will be the colors and the lion is actually in royal blue and gold but the font underneath the lion over a white background is in red the red and the blue paying tribute to Elkhart's two previous high schools, Central, the Blue Blazers, and uh, the red for the Crimson Chargers of Elkhart Memorial. So that's those are all well and good tie-ins as well. But, yeah, once this guy brought up the thing about the font and the small N rather than a capital N, it's just like, well, why would you do that? Now, the only reason I can think of is because it kind of gives a, a more even line across the top of where it says Lions because it's arced on the bottom somewhat. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I don't love the red. I, I get why they did it, but I don't love it in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. I would rather have them gone with the blue or the gold. I I think the gold would have been yeah the touch to make. but yeah. Interesting, the end. Oh, well. Um, I do, as you were scrolling through there, I also saw we uh, posted on the 46 Sports Facebook page yesterday a story on Molly Seidel, and somebody brought this up um, Monday, and I appreciate them, A, listening, and B, the correction. I think I confused Molly Seidel with Molly Huddle, and I thought that Seidel would be her married name. These are actually two different runners. Oh, okay. That participated at Notre Dame. They were both distance runners, both first name Molly, but uh, Molly Seidel, and we've got a story up on the 46 Sports Facebook page. 
you may remember from Monday's Yak, episode number 199, that she ran in the marathon trials over the weekend, and that was the first marathon she ever ran in, and she qualified for the Olympics. (laughs) Great underdog story right there. So it tells more about her story, and you're, you're welcome to pour that over as you listen or after you listen to this 200th episode of the Sport Jack dedicated to the Afro of Oscar Gamble. <laughs> Happy 200th, my friend. Happy 200th to you as well. You can follow the Sports Yak on Twitter at Sports Yak with two Ks. Chuck, you're on Twitter. At 46 Sports. It's a very exciting Twitter account that of yours. We try to keep you up to date. We had some video highlights last night from the sectional. I'll go check Don't those out. Don't look for any tonight. No? I'm not going out tonight. <laughs> it's my one night at home this week. Please stay home. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss episode 201 and beyond. Ooga Luga Oscar Gamble in your beautiful Afro. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann as himself. Produced by Corey Mann. The Sports Yak theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Engineered by Phil Souza. Executive producer is Danae Hughes. In partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. Sports Yak archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. Everybody get out of here! There's a lobster loose! Oh, holy cow, he's loose! Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.